Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Because He lives, you know, I've overcome by the power of His blood. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all my fears are gone. You know, because He lives, my future is in His hands. Because He lives, I get to join the song that never ends. You know, all over the world today, people are gathering every nation, every continent, every people group, every language. People are gathering together just like this to sing that Jesus is alive. And it's a song that will never end. It's a song that we'll get to sing for all eternity because Jesus, Jesus Christ of Nazareth died on a cross to forgive your sins. And on that third morning, when they went looking for his dead body, he was risen from the dead and he is alive forevermore. Do you believe that this morning? Now, because he lives, because he lives, you know, 500 people saw the risen Jesus alive over a six-week period, 2,000 years ago. How does that event still change our lives today? What impact does it have on our lives today? Why are people still singing that all over the world today? Jesus is just one man in one place at one time. What's the big deal? I, I want us to look at four the stories of four people this morning. And they're the people that were the last people to see Jesus die and the first people to see Jesus alive and see the impact that the risen Jesus had on their lives. And I'm praying this morning that as we look at their stories, that it might actually impact with our story. And we today might uh, realize that because he lives, our future is in his hands. I want to ask you this morning, who, how many people were actually crucified on the same day that Jesus was crucified? Put your hand up if you know the answer. Anyone here know the answer? How many people were crucified? How many others? Two. Is that right? Good man. Well done. Get a little, there you go. What were their names? What were their names? I'm glad about that. You know their names? I'm going to get your dad to have a little chat to you later on and fix up some theology, but I'm going to give you an Easter egg just putting your hand up. And we don't know their names. What we do know is that there was two criminals that were crucified next to Jesus on that same day. Jesus wasn't the only person in history to be crucified. He wasn't even the only person on that day that was crucified. We don't know their names. We don't know what uh, crimes they committed. But that criminal on the cross 
next to Jesus, he knew that he was there because of his sins and he knew that Jesus had committed no sin. Let's have a look at Luke chapter, uh, chapter 23 that records that story. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Just like the soldiers, one of the criminals there was making fun of Jesus, was mocking Jesus. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, this criminal who's done probably nothing right in his life, he's lived a wrong life and he's got no way to make it right, he's at the end of his life, he gets one thing right. He knows that he's a sinner and he believes that Jesus is a king. As he's looking at Jesus dying on that cross just like him, there's something in his heart that tells him this man is actually a king. This man actually has power over death and he has a tomorrow. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus says the most remarkable thing to this criminal who's lived the wrong life and he's got no way to make it right. He says, today you will be in paradise with me. This word paradise, it's a, in the original, it's a Persian word that, the, that they'd adopted into Greek and it was the word that they used to describe the Garden of Eden to describe the time where, where man and, and God worked, uh, walked hand in hand, where, where man and woman knew no sin and they knew the perfect presence of God. And, and Jesus says to this man who's done nothing right in his life, because you have admitted your sin and because you believe that I am a king, you're going to be in paradise. You're going to be in the perfect presence of God, unpolluted by sin. You see, God is holy. God is pure. God is perfect. You see, none of us here have committed a crime that is deserving of death in a court of law. But all of us, all of us have committed sin and the Bible says that this holy, perfect God, because of we, we are separated from Him forever, the wages of sin is actually death. And, and one day if we stand before God, stained by our sin, polluted by our sin, then, then we will actually get what we deserve. I want to just illustrate that a little bit this morning. I'm going to invite uh, Danny, our kids pastor, and uh, Ben, our youth pastor, up on the stage. Give them a big welcome as they come up. (laughs) 
You see, the only way we can come into the presence of a holy, pure, perfect God is if we are holy, pure and perfect. We are unstained by sin. Now, you look at someone like Ben and he looks like a criminal. <laughs> I mean, he's not, but, you know, he's, uh, he's stained by, by sin, and the Bible says that our sin is like scarlet. It, it's obvious, it shows up. And, and Ben looks like a criminal, he's got tatters, and you know, he's got funny holes in his ears where you shouldn't have holes in your ears. And he comes from Victoria. I mean, <laughs> he's obviously a sinner. His life has been stained by sin, and this is the worst of the lot. He actually likes Justin Bieber. I mean, that is a sin. You know, someone like Ben is obviously a sinner. He's been stained by sin. His sins are like scarlet, and that's what separates him from the presence of a holy and pure, perfect God. When you look at someone like Danny, Danny looks like a goody two-shoes. And she is. You know, she's hardly ever done anything wrong in her whole life. She's lived a really good life. But I checked with her husband, Richo, during the week, and she watched an episode of The Bachelor. <laughs> That's a sin, people. And I saw her during the week, kids. She ate one of your eggs for the Easter egg hunt. Sin. Now, she obviously, you know, hasn't lived a life as wrong and as bad as Ben the criminal. <laughs> but she too is stained by sin. And it's very hard for us to deal with the stain of sin. I'll just give you guys an opportunity to see if you can uh, wash your sin away. You know, there's some stuff there that's to help you. Now, just imagine... You know, if this was you, this isn't easy. It, it, when it, when, when a, a pure white shirt gets stained, it's not easy to, to wash those stains away. And throughout all of history, in every culture, people have discovered that it's not easy to wash the stain of sin away from our lives. They've tried, they've come up with all sorts of, of washing ceremonies, and even in our secular culture today, that, uh, that, that, that doesn't recognize God. We see in movies today, people when they feel dirty on the inside, when they know they're morally wrong, some, they've done something or someone's done something to them that is wrong, they feel dirty and they want to wash their sin away on the outside. And it's not easy to remove the stain of sin, just like it's not easy to, to remove a scarlet stain from a white shirt ourselves, washing away the stain of sin is not easy. But this is the good news of Easter, where like that criminal on the cross or like the person who's hardly committed any sins, on that cross, he who knew no sin who was perfectly blameless before God, became sin for us so that we could be made right with God. 
You see, what Jesus did on the cross actually was making a way for us to be made white as snow again, that we could come into the presence of God. But if Jesus just died on that cross on a Friday, he would have just been a misguided martyr. Like everyone who was mocking him around that cross, he would have just been a misguided fool. It was only because Jesus Christ, who died on a cross to forgive your sins, rose from the dead on the third day, that there is power in his blood, because he has power over sin and power over death, which is the punishment of sin. This is the good news of Easter people, because he lives, your sin is washed away. Your sin is washed away. When you couldn't wash it away yourself, the blood of Jesus made you clean. You might be sitting here this morning and thinking, I'm a little bit like Ben. I've sinned big time. And I'm not sure if God could ever forgive me, if he could ever wash my sins away. Think again. Here is a man who had no opportunity to redeem himself. All he could do was admit he was a sinner and put his faith in Jesus Christ, the risen King. And today, that man is in paradise. He is in the perfect presence of God, not because of anything he's done, but because of what Jesus did for him. And if you're sitting here thinking, I'm a little like Danny, I'm a good person. You know, I will just do enough good things to make myself right with God. Wrong again. You know, 1 John 1 verse 9, it says, you know, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive our sins, and he will purify us, or he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's true for the criminal on the cross, and it's true for the do-gooder who's been trying to do good all their lives. Because he lives, your sin is washed away, and it's the only way that you can be clean and come in to the presence of God. Would you put your hands together for... uh, because he lives your sin is washed away all you need to do is to confess your sin like that criminal on the cross and believe that Jesus is a king with a kingdom and he has made a way for life after death and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that a little bit later if you haven't done it before but who knows the first person who actually made it to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning while it was still dark. Who knows the name of that person? Mary who? Oh, you both said it in unison, so well done, boys. Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, there's some other Marys, some other women that that went uh, with her, but Mary Magdalene in all the Gospels, was the first one that got to that tomb on that dark Easter Sunday morning. She was also the last one sitting at the cross as Jesus died and his dead body was carried into that tomb. You see, Jesus, uh, Mary 
was a lady who deeply loved Jesus. Mary's life had been transformed by Jesus. It says that seven demons were cast out of her by Jesus. She was a troubled woman who became free, like we sung about this morning, because she met Jesus. But Jesus wasn't just some powerful force in her life. Jesus had become her personal friend. She was a personal friend of Jesus Christ. And she followed him around everywhere with his followers and a group of other women. And they saw Jesus heal the sick and make the blind see and cast demons out of other people and teach about the, the kingdom of God. And Mary came to love Jesus very, very much. And so as she's sitting at the cross on Friday watching his dead body be carried in a tomb, they were dark days. And as she walks to the tomb on that first Sunday morning, it says it was still dark. This was a dark time in Mary's life. Jesus, Mary has just lost someone that she loves deeply and with it all of her hopes for the future are gone. Now she had hopes of being part of Jesus' ministry and seeing him continue to change people's lives just like he changed hers. But now Jesus was gone and all of her hopes were gone and life was dark. And maybe you're here this morning and life's a little dark for you right now. Maybe you've lost someone that you loved and it feels like your hope is gone. Maybe your health is going and it feels like your hopes and dreams for the future are gone. Maybe your business is crumbling around you and it feels like all of your hopes that you had for the future are gone. I don't know what sort of dark time you might be walking through this morning, but whatever it is, when Mary gets to that tomb, as she walks through this dark time in her life, what she found at that tomb changed her life forever, and it can change your life today. Matthew chapter 28, it says... As Mary goes to the tomb on that first morning, the stone has been rolled away and there's an angel there and the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Listen to what happens next. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, they clasped his feet, and they worshipped him. You see, when Mary got to the tomb on that dark morning, the tomb was empty because Jesus was gone. You know, the tomb was empty because death had been defeated. 
The tomb was empty because death could not hold down Jesus. The tomb was empty because Jesus, who'd been crucified on Friday, was alive on Sunday. And just when she thought all of her hopes for the future were gone, she discovered on that Sunday morning that hope is here to stay. And if you have faith in Jesus Christ, whatever darkness you are walking through right now, hope is here to stay. Even if one day your health does fail you, even if one day your life comes to an end, hope is still here to stay because Jesus is here to stay. Jesus is alive today and forevermore. Death could not hold him down. Death has been defeated because Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day. Jesus has hope for you today. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, when Mary sees Jesus, she falls to her knees and she wants to hold on to him. I'm just going to invite Susan to come up here just for a moment. You know, I remember times when our, when our kids were little and, and Susan would leave me at home for a weekend on my own with the kids. When she returned, I would do what Mary did. I would get on my knees and I would worship her. <laughs> Your power to control our children is worthy of worship. Never leave me again. And then I would take hold of her feet and say, you are not to leave ever again. And this is what, this is literally what Mary is doing on this Easter Sunday morning. It looks a little strange, I know. But Mary is so desperate to have Jesus stay with her that he bows down and worships him and he, she holds on to his, her feet, his feet. And it's not just because Jesus was a powerful force at work in the world, but because Jesus was her personal friend and she wanted to be in his presence into the future. And this isn't a perfect illustration and I don't normally hold on to Susan by her feet. But I do hold on to her. Not just because she's got power to help me, but because she's my personal friend. She's my best friend. And I, I don't want to lose her. And again, this isn't a perfect illustration. And there isn't one. Because when Jesus is trying to help us understand the relationship that we can have with him... One of the most common illustrations he uses is of a bride and a bridegroom. He says, you know, I am the bridegroom and, I, and I'm coming to be with my bride for all eternity. That's the way I feel about you. Now, I stood on... Just give Susan a big hand for a minute. I stood on this stage many, many times... With a, with a groom as a bride is walking down that aisle. And, and I've never seen, 
you know, a groom stand there and go, oh, she's all right. She'll do. Now let's get this over with. He's always, he's got his tongue hanging out. And as he sees his bride coming, and there's tears in his eyes. And he's just overwhelmed with love for his bride. And this is the kind of relationship that Jesus invites us into. He is not just this powerful force at work in the world who has power over sin and death. He wants to be our personal friend. He, he, wants, to, he wants to be close to us. He wants to be intimate with us in the same way that Mary knew an intimacy with Jesus. The good news is that Mary didn't need to hold on to Jesus' feet. We don't need to hold on to Jesus' feet. In fact, Jesus says to Mary, don't be afraid and don't hold on to me, but go to Galilee and get all of my brothers there and I'll tell you what is yet to come. And when Jesus, you know, uh, weeks later gets all of the disciples together, he gives them instructions as to what he wants them to do into the future. And then he leaves them with this awesome promise. He says, I will be with you forever until the very end of this age. I'll be with you always. I'm never going to let you go. He ascends bodily into heaven. But he says, so I can be with all people all the time. I'll actually give you my spirit to live within you so that you can have the most personal, the most intimate relationship with me. You see, the risen Jesus is not some personal force at work in the world. The risen Jesus can be your personal friend. I want to ask you this morning, is Jesus your personal friend? Because if he is, then hope is here to stay. Whatever you're walking through, he will actually take a hold of you. He will hold your hand. And he has hope in every situation. Sickness will not be the end of your story. Suffering will not have the final word. And death will not mean the end for you because he is going to hold your hand and walk with you into eternity. You see, because he lives, your sin is washed away. Because he lives, hope is here to stay. And because he lives, fear has lost its sway. Who was the person who was next to run into the tomb after Mary had a look in? Anyone know his name? Name of the guy who, who ran into the tomb and saw that Jesus was risen from the dead? Yes, buddy. Who? Peter, good man. Oh, there we go. Did you get that one? Thank you. Peter. Now, Peter is a guy a lot like us. He was one of Jesus' best friends, but he did struggle with fear. And all of us here in this room, we struggle with fear. You know, some of us would have a fear called arachnophobia, and it's a fear of and so you avoid spiders. Some of you would have a fear of ophidiobia, which is a fear of snakes. 
And so you avoid snakes. Put your hand up if you have a fear of snakes this morning. Whole bunch of you. Some of you would have acrophobia, which is a fear of, of heights. Anyone got a fear of heights here in the room? A whole bunch of you. And some of you would, uh, would struggle with, this one's a bit weird, xenophobia, which is a fear of dogs. I mean, how could you be scared of that happy little fella? I'm scared of cats. I don't know what that's called. But, uh, you know, we've all got fears. And whatever it is we're fearful of, we avoid because we fear that they will hurt us, that we'll be hurt if we come close. You know, Peter, this sounds weird, but Peter had a fear of water, like most people did because they couldn't swim back then. But in a moment of courage, he sees Jesus walking on the water towards him. Peter jumps out of the boat. He overcomes his fear and he begins to walk towards Jesus. But he starts to look at the wind and the waves around him, takes his eyes off Jesus and he gets afraid and he begins to sink and he cries out as he's drowning down in the water. He sticks up his hands and he cries out, Lord, save me. I love the next word. It says, immediately Jesus saved him. And I want to promise you this morning, if you cry out to Jesus to save you, if you're here this morning drowning in sin, drowning in fear, and you cry out to Jesus to save you, he hears your cry and he will save you. But Peter had other fears and the fear that we see near the end of Jesus' life is a fear that is much more common for many of us in this room. I reckon probably every hand would go up at some stage in our lives as struggling with this fear. And it's the fear of letting people know that you know Jesus. You know, Peter was actually one of Jesus' best friends, but at the end of Jesus' life, this young servant girl comes to him and says, you're one of Jesus' friends, and Peter says, i got no idea what you're talking about. I don't even know the man. See, fear had power over him. Fear was pushing him around. And so when push came to shove, Peter says, I don't even know Jesus. And some of you have experienced that same fear because you actually fear ridicule. You fear rejection. You're fearful of what others will think about you. And so at times we've all struggled with this fear of letting other people know that we know Jesus. You see, when Peter sees the risen Jesus, fear lost its sway. When Peter was filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, fear lost its sway. Fear had no more power over Peter. And so the next we see Peter, he's standing in a crowd bigger than this, but in the crowd were the people who crucified Jesus. And here is his opportunity to stand up and to share the good news about Jesus, that Jesus is a man who saves people from their sins. Before the resurrection, Peter wouldn't even say it to a poor servant girl. 
after the resurrection and after Peter is filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Peter stands in front of a crowd even bigger than this one and says, you people crucified the Son of God, but God raised him from the dead. And he spoke with such power and authority that everyone there said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent and be baptised, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. You see, because he lives, fear has lost its sway. See, it doesn't matter whether you still fear snakes. It's a good thing, they'll bite you. Stay away from them, avoid them. It doesn't matter if you fear flying. Get a caravan, drive around Australia, just as fun. But it does really matter if you fear telling other people about Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one who can save. He's the only one that can wash our sins away. He's the only one that gives us hope for all of eternity. And he's the only one that has our future in his hands. I want to introduce you to one last person this morning. And he's the person that was going on a running race with Peter to the tomb on that Easter Sunday morning. And uh, he says that he's a faster runner than Peter and he got there first. And he also says that he's the one that Jesus loved the most. He's Jesus' best friend. Anyone know his name? Way up the back. John, good job. Do you reckon you can catch this one? Way, almost. Good catch. You see, John saw the risen Jesus on that first Easter Sunday morning. But a lot of water passed under the bridge over the next 40 years. And John found himself in a place 40 years later where all the believers in Jesus were being imprisoned and put to death. Rome was trying to squash out the church once and for all, trying to stop the church announcing that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And, and people around John, and maybe John himself, were starting to wonder, does Jesus still have power today? Does Jesus still hold the power in his hands today? And John gets this little glimpse into heaven. Jesus invites him into heaven and he sees a vision of the risen Jesus on the throne. And this is what it says right at the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 1. It says, Jesus says, I am the living one. I was dead, but now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. John sees the risen Jesus still with all power in his hands in heaven. Amidst all of the chaos that's happening in the world around him. You see, back then, just like today, if you hold the keys, you hold the power. If you hold the keys, you hold the power to let people in and out of certain places. If you hold the keys, you hold the power. I don't have many keys because I don't have much power. But I got the key to my 19-year-old Land Cruiser. 
And if you came to me and said, can I get in and drive your old four-wheel drive? If you're over 25 and you've got a good track record, you haven't had too many accidents in the past and you promise to keep it clean, I might give you the keys. I'll give you the power. My son came to me at the end of last year and said, Dad, can I have the keys for your four-wheel drive? I want to take my mates camping on the beach. And so I overlooked a couple of the normal rules and I said, as long as you keep it clean, and I handed him the keys. Silly move. I, I went and bought a duster brush to go in every door of the car. I said, I said, when you're getting back in the car off the beach, just dust your feet off with the duster brush. They're still in perfect condition, those duster brushes. They've never been used. But I'm pretty sure that they did get the shovel off the roof and they shoveled half a tonne of sand into the back of my four-wheel drive. It came back with half the beach. It came back with one number plate instead of two. And it came back with a whole bunch of other bits hanging off it. And so when he came to me just before Easter and said, Dad, I want to take my mates camping on the beach for Easter. Can I have the keys to your car? I said, no way. I'm keeping the key in my hand. you got a bad track record. If you came to me and said, you know, can I come inside your house and talk to your daughter? I hold the key to my house. And I'd say to you, do you have a job? Is it a helpful one? I've already got a carpenter. I'd like a plumber and an electrician, please. Do you ride a motorbike? No. Good. Come in. Here's the key. Talk. Only talk. Leave your hormones at the door. You know, I've I got the key to my gym. And I'd say to you, if you cough up, you know, 26 bucks a fortnight and you wear shoes and you carry a towel, because I hate people leaving sweat on all the equipment, and you enjoy pain, then come on in. Here's the key. You see, if you hold the key, you hold the power to let people in and out of given spaces. Whoever has the keys has power. John gets his picture of Jesus in heaven and he's holding the keys of death and hell. He's holding the keys because he's got the power to let people in and out of death. And this is an offensive message in our culture today, but he's the only one that holds the keys because he's the only one that's gone through death and he's come out the other side into life. Nobody else in the history of the world has done it. It's why people in every part of the world today are still singing that Jesus is alive because he's the only one who went through death, came out the other side to life. So he's the only one who holds the keys in his hands to let you in to death, but out the other side into life. And this is the good news. You see, it might be an offensive message that Jesus is the only way, but the good news is it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter whether you got a good job or not. 
It doesn't matter whether you've got a track record that's good or bad. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how respectable you are. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. John, this same guy who gets his glimp into heaven, who's the best mate of Jesus, makes it as simple as he possibly can. The Son has eternal life. In the Son is eternal life. He's the only one who defeated death and came through it and out the other side. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. As I said this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to know that life if you don't know it right now. You see, because Jesus lives, your sin can be washed away. What once separated you from God has been washed clean. You can come into his perfect presence, into paradise. You can know the perfect presence of God. Because he lives, hope is here to stay. Jesus will never let you go. He's he's actually defeated death and whatever you walk through, he promises to hold on to you and never let you go. He'll walk with you through it. And because he lives, fear has lost its sway. I mean, what have we really got to fear? You know, the, 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 the king of all kings, the one who holds life and death in his hands, has actually offered you life. You see, because he lives, your future is in his hands. And so I want to give you an opportunity today to put your faith in the risen King, to put your faith in Jesus who died on a cross to forgive your sins and rose from the dead on the third day. Now this may be something you've never done before in your life. It might be something that you, uh, you contemplated and you, you did as a young person a long time ago, but you've walked a long way from God. Maybe it's something that you've kept to yourself and you've you kind of kept secret. You kind of had some sort of you know, belief that God is there, but you kind of keep it to yourself because you're fearful of being ridiculed or rejected. But if you're here this morning and, and you want to just say in front of all these people, really, really clearly, Jesus, I want you to save me and forgive me from my sins. And Jesus, I believe that you are the King. I believe you're the risen one and I choose to follow you from now on. I'm going to give you a chance to do that really publicly today in front of all these people. Now, a bunch of people here have already made that decision and if you stand up in just a moment, they're all going to clap and cheer you on. Often what we do here in church is just ask you to put your hand up and just kind of make it a personal thing between you and God. But today on Easter Sunday... I'm going to ask you actually to stand where you are and say, today I'm choosing to make it clear. I need Jesus to be my Saviour and I believe that He's my King. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to get people to gather around you and support you and encourage you. It'll be the best decision you've ever made. But I am going to ask you to stand. If you're here this morning and you say, I want to pray that prayer. I want to ask Jesus to be my Saviour and I want to put faith in Jesus Christ as my risen King, as the one who holds my future in His hands. If that's you this morning, 
Come on, just jump to your feet right now. Young or old, just stand up and say, that's me. I want to pray that prayer. Who's here today? And you'd say, that's you. I know this is going to take some courage. I know we had a bunch of people at 8 o'clock stand up and say, that's me. But who's here today? And you'd say, that's me. I'm choosing to put my faith in Jesus in front of all these people. I'm not going to be afraid of what others think of me anymore. Come on, just stand up if that's you. I'm going to give you a moment to stand. I know there's some of you here. Today's your day. Today is your day. Who needs to stand today and just say, I believe in Jesus. Bless you. Bless you, man. Good man. Good man. There's some others on. Bless you. That's awesome. Who else today? You say, today's my day. Come on, just stand up where you are. If that's you, today's my day. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Come on, there's some others of you that need to stand with these guys. We're going to get some people to go with you. I'm just going to give you one last chance. I think there's some young people here today. Today's your day to put your faith in Jesus. There's some people who have have walked away uh, from Jesus and you're coming back today. Come on, if that's you, just stand where you are. I know there's some others of you here. Bless you. That's cool. Come on, who else today? Today's your day. Just jump to your feet. Come on, let's just gather around these guys. Come on, come on, gather around. Come on, a few people, jump up and gather around with these guys. We're going to pray, pray with them and fall. Come on, jump to your feet, stand with them. Don't, don't, don't be afraid. Just pray. Just pray along me with me in your heart right now. Father God, thank you that you've always loved me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. I ask you to forgive me today, Jesus. Wash me clean. Jesus, I believe that you are the risen Son of God and that you will welcome me into eternity one day. I choose to follow you as my King from this day forward. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.